All right, welcome back to the Raintown Riot Podcast. I'm Matt Raymer. I'm here with Thomas Mayfield and Bobby Lloyd. Let's jump right into it. Let's get into one of the most intriguing NBA series that we've had in a long time, I feel. You have the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right now, OKC leads the series 2-1 in a surprising fashion, right? And the Warriors were at an historic pace. Uh, supposed to kind of blow through the playoffs, and the Thunder are finally hitting their stride, it looks like. They're finally having the confidence and will to make things happen. And uh, let's just get some fresh takes, initial thoughts on this series. Go ahead, Bob. I predicted the Thunder to win this series. I, uh, I'm, I'm happy with what they're doing. I, it looks like they've been on fire since really second game of San Antonio. And uh, right now they look like the team to beat out there. The previous uh, 90 games that these teams have played don't really matter. Uh, it's just this series. Can do, do the Warriors have enough to pull it out? Because so far in the series, the Thunder look like the team to beat. Like they don't, they're not coming at it as underdogs. They're coming at it as a team with um, some of the best players in the world, all the talent to win a championship, and all the talent to knock out the Warriors. Um, maybe the Warriors came into the series feeling a little entitled with all of their greatest team ever talk and all of, and uh, just the attitude that they were, that they were going to make it to the finals. Um, but you got to get, you got to get through all of the playoffs first and uh, the Thunder look like a pretty formidable opponent. So Bobby here is very happy with his prediction. Mind you, the Warriors have been down to one before. They were down 2-1 against Memphis last year. They were down against against the Cavs 2-1. So if I was a I'm just I mean, this may be a more formidable opponent for them. I mean, we've all said it, two of the five best players in basketball, but they have come back before from, from this deficit. I mean I, I and then another another quick point is I think if this goes seven I think most people would agree if it goes seven, we most people are going to pick the Warriors to win. I think if the Thunder are going to win, they need to win in six. In Oracle Arena, you have to like the Thunder, I mean the Warriors' chances. Right? Right, right. Yeah, it's like what we talked about last week. The Warriors have the superior home court advantage. It's just right now, my belief is that just Thunder are playing with so much confidence right now that it's carrying them through. And... We're really going to see how good these Warriors are. How good are they? Because the, the Thunder look like a championship t- team, right? They do. They, they have they all do. the they pieces. Great. They're big. They have star power all over the place. They are playing defense. And the biggest thing with the Thunder that you have to go in process for is Billy Donovan. He's making great adjustments on the bench. The old Florida Gator coach, first-year NBA and a lot of criticism of him all year long. Uh, people saying that he didn't change anything. He's just the same as Scott Brooks, offense. just simplistic offense, not able to make adjustments. And I think he's uh, proven a lot of the naysayers wrong. He has made solid adjustments in the playoffs. He's got this team playing the best basketball of their season, peaking at exactly the right moment. Um, I really, really like the team. They're, they've got so much athleticism, youth, energy, uh, the outside shooting is, of course, great. One of the best shooters of all time. Um, Westbrook just plays with so much fire. Brings, you think Durant's one of the best shooters of all time? That's not even without a doubt. He's one of the well, best shooters Well, he is one of the I was making sure I was clarifying. Yeah, 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 I think for sure is. Yeah, yeah. 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 percentage-wise, has always been great. Yeah. 
So one thing real quick about this series is I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed because I was mostly, I was so excited for this series because of the star power, because of these great teams. And really it's, I mean, these last two games have just been blowouts. It hasn't really been close. I was looking forward to back and forth basketball. Um, I mean, I mean, going down to the fourth quarter and those last two really haven't been close. And just a quick analysis for those who didn't watch game three, uh, game three, it was interesting to me as I was watching because the Thunder came out strong, got a lead. Then the Warriors went to that devastating small ball offense. Iguodala was out there. Barnes was out there. Draymond, Curry, and Thompson. And the Thunder had Adams and Cantor out there. And they, the Thunder looked awful. Those two could not match up with the, that small ball team. Iguodala was playing great. Then all of a sudden, um, something clicked. Adams actually kept getting beat, and I felt like he kept getting lucky. He got beat like like he wasn't on his man, and his man, fortunately for the Thunder, was, mi was missing shots. Like he was late to closeouts, things of that nature. And it was a rough shooting night for for the Warriors. But um, so something clicked with, with the Thunder. They went, they... Adams came out of the game because of this infamous Draymond Green kick that we'll get into here in a bit. And the Thunder caught fire from shooting everyone. Robinson, um, Deion Waiters, every, I mean, of course, Durant and Westbrook. Ibaka was making threes from the corner. Everyone was shooting so well. It was, it was a 32-7 to run, I believe, that they went on. Yeah, I mean, the game was, game three was pretty... It's incredible. It's not something I foresee happening at all in the rest of the series, either team. I think it was a case where the Thunder caught fire and played almost to the best of their potential. The Warriors played really bad. I mean, their lack of energy out there, a lot of things around that were not normal. Worst and, game of the season. Yeah. Well, Maybe besides it, losing to the Lakers. Yeah. Besides I think the that. Lakers game might have been the worst one. Well, Steve Kerr completely called his team out after the game, saying that we deserved everything we just had happened to us because we had no energy. They punched us in the mouth and we were searching for answers, but not searching in ourselves like to win. So I love the fact that Kerr's calling them out and I don't foresee the Warriors having that type of effort. I would be surprised. It, it seems like, it seems like of course when you, a team like the Warriors gets blown out, there's going to be some unlucky things. Like you're saying, uh, Steven Adams guys being open and missing shots. Uh, I mean that, that kind of when you're a jump shooting team, that kind of thing happens, you know. Uh, and the Warriors are the epitome of a uh, of a jump shooting team. I mean, they've been the most efficient jump shooting team of all time. But people have always said like, live by the three, die by the three. So far, they won a championship with the three pointer, and they're on their way to potentially winning another one. Um, but you're always going to have games where shots aren't falling, things aren't going your way. Things are going the other team's way. It's just one of those things that happens in sports sometimes. Com completely. And I, so if I had to give two things on this series, that, or one thing on the Thunder, and why I've, I've said this before in prior podcasts, what I think Billy Donovan's best movie's done, and the, in these playoffs, it seemed they've hit their stride, was when they started that five-man lineup. Like you were just saying that was getting crushed by the small ball. However, it's the Spurs that dominant, and a lot of this series is dominant because they're rebounding so good. So when they have Westbrook, Durant, Waiters, so it's another shooter, and they're not Robertson. 
And then you have Cantor and Steven Adams. Because their rebounding is off the charts. And the offensive rebounding has been incredible. They've been getting close to 50% of offensive rebounding opportunities with that lineup. It's like record-breaking. Well, wow. Cantor is one of the best offensive rebounding big men in the game. Yeah. It's him and Tristan Thompson are the first two names that pop in my head. Drummond. A drum, you love Drummond, but he is really good. He's a freak. He, yeah, okay. he had like 15 year olds a game, so I can't argue that. But, and then secondly, um, in this series, what has really dictated these games, whether blowouts, is turnovers, right? That really combines with most games and most teams. Like, whoever wins a turnover battle usually wins the game. But I felt with one thing with this series is these teams are so fast paced and they can score in bunches so quick with all their great players. If you turn the ball over, that shit, you're going to fail. You're going to lose because these two teams are so good. Could be like a quick six-point turnaround exactly. just from one mistake. Yeah. They will capitalize so fast. I mean, what Russell Westbrook is down the floor so fast on a turnover. Um, and a lot of just lazy passes from the Warriors. However, again, I'm still not overreacting. I still think the Warriors are going to win this series in seven. So, so this upcoming game in Oklahoma City, game four, Last week we're talking uh, the Thunder have just won game one in, at Oracle Arena. Now, and we're saying it's a must-win game for the Warriors. Is this game four in Oklahoma City, is it a must-win game for the Warriors? I think so. I think so because if they don't, they're down 3-1, and uh, Oklahoma City's home court advantage is huge for game six. I I you have to, we have to beat them three in a row. So that's that, yeah, beating Oklahoma City three in a row would not be easy. It would be not be easy at all. Two of them would be at home, but either way, it's still it seems like a really really tough oh hill to climb. Yeah. However, I do not see that the series being over still at that point. One note going into tomorrow's game: if the Thunder were to win, that would be Golden State's first back to back losses. Correct. This whole season, first back to back losses all season. They haven't lost all season back to back games, so. So the Warriors started to come apart a little bit. It seemed like they started uh, getting in their own heads, um, maybe getting emotional, some angry stuff. Um, Draymond Green in particular, their emotional leader for the team, got uh, – did he get kicked out of the game? What, ha- what happened? Flagrant. No, I got a flagrant. Flagrant, flagrant one. But before uh, this seeing- kick happened, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm calling this the kick around the world because literally ESPN.com had that as their number one thing all day. It's – just it was a kick. So Draymond Green was driving with the ball. He flailed like he got fouled really hard by Adams. Really, he didn't get fouled, and he flailed his leg up in the air and it kicked Stephen Adams in the groin. Whether it was intentional or whether it was not intentional, it's hard to say because Draymond Green's an emotional player, so it's not ridiculous to say it was intentional. Mm-hmm. However, I've heard a lot he, of people say that only Draymond Green could know whether it was intentional or not. I've got a personal theory on it. When when I, I didn't I didn't get to watch the game when I when I heard about the kick when I saw the kick and I saw who he kicked is Stephen Adams I knew it was intentional like I would I would put money on it you of course I'll never know but Stephen Adams is a guy that's like renowned for pissing off the other team getting in their head being a physical player the former um, rugby player people are yeah he's super physical he's known as one of the dirtiest players in the league. People I've I've seen so many different guys go at him DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Blake Griffin, Zach Randolph, LeBron James, a lot of these guys get pissed off at Steven Adams. So, um, you automatically thought that it was 
I think you know, it was re- because of Stephen Adams. Intentional retaliation for Stephen Adams probably doing some dirty shit throughout the game and Draymond Green getting pissed off at him and uh, wanting to kick him in the nuts. The reason why I would say it has a chance to be potential, that has a chance to be um, on purpose was it was one of the worst games Draymond Green's played all season. It was uh-huh. he was playing terrible. He was turning the ball over. He was not usually he is so he's the most emotional player on the floor, but he's so controlled. He's always in control. He gets he pisses out the other team. Disciplined. He's very he's a Tom Izzo coach guy, right? He's a yeah. very disciplined guy. However, this was not a normal game for him. He was all over the place. And so I feel like that could lead to a maybe he lost his cool 100%. He's a very emotional player. Wait, wait, wait. Disciplined as far as what? As far as his playing style or as far as emotions or what? Because he gets technicals all the time. He's leading the playoffs in technicals. I would just say with his playing style, like like the reason Draymond Green is such a special player he is be- of because of his size and his knowledge of the game, and and the he play he makes the right decision almost all the time. He's just he's a winning basketball player, and uh, he gets a lot of technicals, but a lot of them are never okay. I've watched almost I've watched about eighty five percent of the Warriors games this year. A lot of, I like that, right? Uh, the next uh, a lot of his technicals are not in like. Awful situations, I guess. Does that sound okay? So he bad he to say. When to, and a lot of times he not, keeps yeah. us cool. Like Steve Kerr was on the record said, "I would be shocked if he got another technical." Sure enough, he did. Right. But Draymond Green is such like a discipline player. He, he when panic comes like in the game, he is always usually calm and collective. That was my point of saying that he's a discipline player. Transitioning here into Draymond's game three. His player efficiency was negative 43, worst of anyone in the playoffs in the in 10 seasons for which that stat has been tracked. That doesn't surprise you. You watch the game. He was awful. He was so bad. He was turning the ball over the place, missing shots. He just – something – he didn't seem like he was there. It seemed to me like a calculated kick to the groin of Steven Adams. Like I think, I think that's what he was planning. I don't know. I mean, people that watch it are like – uh, how could he imagine like kicking? And he doesn't have that control of his foot. But I, if you were in, um, you you guys have played sports before. You know that that dirty stuff happens. Pe- people are uh, trying to get away with. Stuff. Matt, Matt, talk about some of the stuff that happens in the bottom of uh, football scrums and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's very. I mean, it's pretty well known. A lot of dirty stuff always happens. I mean, I would get my fingers pulled back as far as you can. Luckily, I never got my nuts grabbed. That people was, trying to eye gouge. Yeah, you go for your eyes. Anything to get that ball. Um, but in basketball, relating back to that, like you saw Chris Paul, he even has hit players in the nuts, like a, a super NBA player, a superstar, right? And he's had encounters. There's, it's happened all over the place. This one was with James. This one was with a leg. So a lot of people are saying, okay, it was a lot harder to control your leg when you're flying through air like that than it is with your hand or arm. His leg almost went up to ninety degrees, like quite the quite the flail. Or somebody I mean, that didn't even get hit. Yeah, we've seen people flail. Kobe Bryant was like famous for flailing his arm and hitting people in the face. Intentionally, and, intentionally yeah, swinging his arm down and hitting people in the from, face on yeah, his follow I mean, through and punching it, people in the face. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely can't stand James Harden because he flails so much. Yeah, he is the one player like I can't. I he is an amazing talent, but he bugs me because he flails so much. Is that why he bugs you? Because his lack of defense. Both. It's flailing might be number one, though. It literally drives me freaking crazy because he gets every damn call. Anyway. Low blows are taken off in basketball. I remember Nick Batum punched uh, one of the Spanish players. 
uh, during the Olympics, punched him right in the nuts. Serge, Serge yeah. Ibaka hit Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, I believe. Was it? Well, who, I don't remember who he hit, but he did. Someone on the it. Bobcats. I can't yeah. remember exactly who it, it was. It was blatant. Though. Chris Paul's as blatant as it gets. So this one was not necessarily blatant, but uh, I mean, I'm and I'm a huge Draymond fan, big Michigan State fan. I just, uh, I just know athletes. I know um, competitive nature. I know competitive nature, and I know I, it feels to me like Draymond uh, lost control of his emotions and let Stephen Adams get in his head. I'm I'm honestly surprised after the review of the whole thing that he hasn't been suspended a game for that. Because you guys played basketball your whole life. Did you ever hit somebody in the nuts during a game? No, I've been, been hit though. You've been hit. Been hit. High school. Valley Valley High School. I still see that kid that hit me around town sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You ever say anything to him? No, I'm just gonna hit him in the nuts and run away. I think <laughs> kind of what he did to me. There you go. Speaking of eye gouging, low blow. Speaking of eye, eye eye gouging, there's a great story of my own teammate flashback to eye gouging back in the day. So freshman year of high school, Matt Raymer and I here are wrestling on a trampoline. Oh gosh. And I mean. Yeah, I, I was doing some low blows against him because he was way stronger than me. <laughs> so we're wrestling. I don't want to have any part in this wrestling. He's just holding me down. <laughs> the only thing I can do is, like, hold his face and then, like, every now and then poke him in the eyes. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, this is exactly like you see, you Captain the Saint, a water boy, right? This is what it reminded me. We were on the trampoline. It's like, guys, you're high school kids. Guys, you wrestle. Me and Bobby wrestle all the damn time. So I, I tackled Thomas on the trampoline. I, of course, I started it. And uh, next thing you know, my whole freaking face is being palmed. And Thomas is literally Captain Asano <laughs> right in the freaking eyeball. And I didn't know what to do, so I freaking stopped. Well, no. well I would do that. And then I would, he would let go for a second. I'd like try to rush off the trampoline to get away from him. Then he'd get a leg, pull me back on him. Then the cycle would just continue until... I don't know. Well, why. Thomas Mayfield hates wrestling, yeah. so it's, I I wanted to like instigate it, right? I always want I want to instigate him wrestling because I loved it. Yeah, dangerous for you to be poking Matt in the eye, but I don't feel so bad for Matt because of the time he poked me in the eye. <laughs> All right, Matt, guys. Matt, Matt's about Matt's okay, pretending well, like he's gonna slap me. He goes pump 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 fake, but his pump fake is not a pump fake at all. He just pokes his finger right into my eyeball. That's like a vicious stab. This is all in high school, guys. I have to chase him around campus with my eyes closed trying to find him. He's he's limp, He's hopping around on one leg because he has a broken ankle at the time. Eventually, I caught up to him and tackled him. <laughs> with a broken leg, so he's a nice guy. Anyway, let's get There's so a on. blind man against a cripple. Oh. <laughs> 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 all right, so let's, uh, let's transfer here to the other... Uh, the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference. Now. So now this series is... Incredibly intriguing, and I'm looking right now, and the Raptors have a 16-point lead about to go into halftime of Game 4. So that series, if you guys don't know now, is 2-1. The Cleveland Cavaliers are winning the series 2-1, and Game 4 is currently airing in Toronto. And I feel like if they tie the series 2-2, that is still a shocker to the sports nation. The way Cleveland was rolling, they didn't lose a game until... Their 11th game in the playoffs, right? They swept their first two series and won the first two games of the series. Well, the way Cleveland was rolling and the way the Raptors were playing. Yeah, the Raptors were playing awful against Miami. They're, and they're injured. Yes, they are injured. It kind of seemed like the Raptors have just been kind of uh, winning games by default. 
or, or something like they haven't been playing well for the entire playoffs. They just kind of and they had two seven game series because of it, right? So teams that they're supposed to beat, they're the second seed. Um, they haven't really been playing good. To their two best players, Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry, both having poor shooting performances for like the entire playoffs. And just kind of getting to this point, uh, it'd be interesting to see if maybe they turn the corner and start playing, uh, start playing kind of close to what they're capable of, and seeing if the uh, Cavaliers are able to handle it. So I'll give you the stats right now in today's game. So like Bobby was saying, it's been well documented in these playoffs. Lowry and Rosen have really been struggling. They're two all stars. Right now in this game, they are thirteen for twenty-one for thirty points in the first half. It's a really good half for them. It's great. So they are outscoring. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Wonderful. So I think they would take that any day to outscore those two. And, yeah, so it's a really interesting. And How much do James and Irving have? All right, James and Irving currently have 26. So they're only outscoring them by four right now. But either way, you'll still take it. And I want to talk about game three, Bizbok Biombo. Maybe the unsung hero for Toronto Raptors. You have this... The star center, or the star, but the really good center for Toronto being out with injuries. And Bismarck Biombo comes on and was arguably their best player in the game three. What are your thoughts this, Bob? I know you like Well, him. so when uh, Jonas Valanciunas, the uh, center that we keep referencing, went down with an injury, um, my immediate reaction was that it's actually not going to hurt them too much because what he is kind of a one-dimensional player. He's a big guy. He rebounds well, and he's an offensive threat. But his uh, rotational defense is so poor that he, that he's actually had a negative effect rating on the Raptors' season, and they've been benching him more because of it. So um, it wasn't as big. He went down at during the same game that Hassan Whiteside went down for the Heat, and it was a much bigger loss for the Heat because uh, Hassan Whiteside had been a very big net positive for the Heat, and Valanciunas had been a net negative. For the Raptors, whereas Bismack Biombo, on the other hand, uh, is the type of guy that can just really come in, come in and, and be an X factor factor and really change things because he brings so much athleticism and so much energy. It's just kind of a uh, yeah, just, just just kind of an uncontrollable factor. He makes plays that you're not expecting him to make. I mean, if you remember, the guy looks like a Greek god. The guy looks like maybe an African god. African god, yeah. Yeah, make more sense, right? (laughs) But he looks like a physical freak, Mm -hmm. and he had twenty six rebounds. Twenty six rebounds. He's an he's an animal, man. I mean, I don't know. A lot of championship teams. If you look back on them, they've had some guys that that made big uh, plays for them and had big games during the playoffs. Like if. Uh, no one really remembers this, but during the Miami's Heat, Miami Heat's uh, run, Joel Anthony was really big for them with offensive rebounds. Last year with the Cavaliers, Tristan Thompson comes in and they almost win the national, uh, not the national champ, the NBA championship um, because of what he's a lot, what he's doing on the offensive boards. Uh, ben Wallace was a guy that was never offensively talented and uh, one of the best defensive centers of all time, but just with his energy and his hustle. And uh, so, yeah, Bismack Biombo, I'd say he's kind of the X factor on the series. If he can keep making a positive impact and keep making those big uh, plays that kind of change the game around a little bit, they have they have a chance to knock out the Cavs here, and that'd be uh, yeah, it'd be huge. It'd be one of the biggest upsets, way exceeding expectations. It would be yeah, it'd be yeah, great. It'd be huge. And 
So to get back to this, I thought this was a very interesting story, and I don't understand how it didn't get more headlines. It got pretty decent headlines, but more. Is in game two, and with about two minutes left in the first half, the Toronto Raptors were getting their butt kicked. The uh-huh. Cleveland Cavaliers are on a big run, and Kyle Lowry disappears from the bench and goes back to the locker room. And people are wondering, well, what's going on? He wasn't injured. He came out and said that he had to go decompress. He had to go decompress with the game still going on. I find this incredibly bad. I, as a teammate, I would not be happy at all with this. And J.J. Redick was on SportsCenter, and he pretty much called out Lowry as well, saying that was completely unprofessional, and as his teammate, he would not like that. So I want to get you guys' thoughts. What do you think of that? Thomas, you got anything to add Decompress. Um, well, maybe it worked for him because it looks like they're about to win two straight against the Cavs. I, I feel like no one knows Kyle better than his teammates. And he seems to be a very, like, regarded, like, people seem to like him on that team as their leader. And maybe he did need some time to just space to think about things. And I, I really don't have that much of a problem with it. Sometimes in the sports world, I feel like we're way too far up in other people's business. Um, like, this is a Toronto Raptors issue. J.J. Redick plays for the Los Angeles Clippers, um, so he doesn't have to play with Kyle Lowry. This isn't, this isn't something that was in his immediate vicinity. If, uh, if Raptors players had come out and said, I don't know what's going on with him, why, why he did that, then I think it would be a bigger issue. But uh, I think, obviously, it came – they're still a team. They're still rocking. They're still playing hard. Um, he left his team in distress. His team was struggling. He's the leader of that so, team. Well, and you get up and leave with time starting in the first half? What's the you don't ar- have a problem with it? What's the argument? That he doesn't me? care? What I don't know what the argument is. Either way, I look at it as he well, got up and left his team in a time of need, and he's the leader of that team. Maybe he's doing what's best for the team right there. Maybe him doing that is the best thing to do for the team. I mean... Kyle Lowry seems to definitely care about this extremely. Like he was after in previous series series against um, the Heat, he was shooting jump shots in the gym by himself till midnight. Yeah, like, that got crazy amount of headlines, but not the headlines of him leaving his team. It's just strange to me. But anyway, I agree. Wait, I'm not just you think the shots got more headlines oh, than him leaving his team? On ESPN.com was the number one thing. Well, him shooting shots on with a hoodie after the game. Really? Yes. Really? I don't. I've heard so much more about people ripping into Kyle Lowry. Oh, he's not selfish. He's t- taking a mental health mo- moment. I think we have kind of an interesting dynamic of what we expect from our athletes and their mental health. He's under so much pressure. Um, people are people are blaming him for pretty much um, losing these games. Like. And, yeah, maybe he did need a mental health moment. Me, I consider myself to be a mental health advocate. And I think, like, you know, if if he needed a minute to go do his thing before, like, that's a personal issue. And and I'm sure he handled it with his team. It seems like they still have respect for him. So I just feel like who who am I to kind of interject my own ideas of what Kyle Lowry or the Raptors need to be? When I'm not a part of their organization. So I'll clarify this. Is I definitely am not disagreeing with you. I think Lowry cares a tremendous amount about this team. 
He is a fully committed player. He's been unknown. He went on a crazy diet like three years ago, and that's really helped his game. He has like hardly any body fat. He's very, very committed, very team first for the most part. But I still have a problem with being a leader of a team and getting up and leaving them. I just feel like Michael Jordan would never do that. I know that's not fair by any reason, not fair by anything, but I'm just trying to think of another basketball star. And I just don't think LeBron, who knows that guy's mental game. But um, I don't know. I just, I, as a leader of that team, I just don't think that is right. The only time I can think of a key player leaving the game to go to the locker room in the middle of a game is when Paul Pierce faked an injury and had to get wheelchaired to the locker room. <laughs> and then there's still no foul call. He flops, then he fakes an injury trying to draw a call, and then there's a, and then he's laying on the ground pretending he can't walk. They have to wheelchair him to the locker room. <laughs> And then he, he realizes he's never going to get the call. He's got to go back in the game. So he runs back out of the locker room like, he uh, probably go like a minute later. And no, I'm just saying, Paul Pierce, where's your leadership, man? What's going on with you? Yeah. Or, or maybe they're just like, wow, what an incredible leader. He broke his leg and then he <laughs> ran out a minute later. <laughs> well, we didn't have the podcast then. Well, there was still Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, I mean... We did not have the podcast. That that's a good point. This is my this is the first time I've ever had a chance to rip on Paul Pierce in that instance. So here it oh, goes. I agree. Shame, it a, Paul Pierce. Shame on you. Worse than ridiculous. Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Boo. And oh. that is Bobby's beef for the day. <laughs> There's Bobby's beef. <laughs> no, but I'll agree with you. Paul Pierce faking things is way worse. One thing Lowry did do in the post game, he said exactly what he did. He owned up to everything why he did it. It's just I just find it. Not what a leader. I guess I'm. I'm stereotyping. I wouldn't say it's ideal. I wouldn't say it's ideal. But uh, I mean, obviously, you're the. He's the leader of the team. He's supposed to be there. But I don't necessarily think it's like this thing, where he. I don't really think it's what it's made out to be. Where he t- turned his back on his teammates and left them hanging out to dry. Uh, Kyle Lowry needed to take a moment for Kyle Lowry. Um, and and he came back out there and was with his teammates for the rest of the game, playing his heart out. Uh, I mean, I, I I have a lot of respect for the guy. I think if you look at the history of the league since Kyle Lowry's been in it, you, there's an argument that no one else has worked harder and improved more during that time than him. He was not a uh, highly recruited player, not highly drafted, um, had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Coming in as a point guard, into the NBA is probably the most competitive position. Um, very, very challenging. He worked his way up from being a bench player and a reserve to a perennial all-star now. So I, I have a lot of respect for the guy, and I just uh, I don't think the amount of flack that he's receiving for this is necessarily fair. I mean, like I said, I don't think it's ideal, but I don't think it's like – uh, murder either. I think it's just uh, he needed his time. Well, what about the idea that maybe we're too conservative and this is an old-fashioned point of view and maybe if we looked into this more, giving athletes a moment, this would be helpful to them in the middle of the game. I mean, we haven't tried it. Maybe maybe if they did take a time, like in a stressful situation, they're just like, I need to go back, get focused, take a moment. I mean, it, I well, you can't do it. I mean, you can't like like he got subbed out of the game. A lot of players don't get to get subbed out of the game. You know, like quarterbacks, 
you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to take this series off, coach. I'm going to be in the locker room and just put the backup in there. I'll be ready. Right. Uh, fighters, Conor McGregor can't be like, okay, I'm, uh, I beat him in round two. one. I'm a, yeah, <laughs> I'm a, just give me, give me a few minutes. I'll be back for round two here in a second. I mean, he, he has a luxury. It, it was, is, makes it a little more controversial because the Cavs went on a huge run while he was in like a 14 to two run while he was in the locker room. Uh, it's tough, but I think a similar situation. I'm trying to think of a comparison to this. And one of the few things I can think about is Ken Griffey Jr. When he, so Ken Griffey Jr. Ended his career with the Mariners. Um, and during, I believe his last season, I mean, still kind of washed up, you could say, but still looked often to as a leader. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., one of the greatest players of all time, is always going to be considered a leader. It's like um, Kobe Bryant this year. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know how this came out. One of his teammates must have said something and it came out. But but Griffey was found sleeping in the middle of the game in the, in the, the clubhouse. Not even in the dugout. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, different type of thing. That Lowry's in the middle of a playoff series. Griffey's team was not good, and it was a regular season game that didn't mean anything, you could argue, and there's 162 of those, and it was Griffey's last season, but still, I mean... Yeah, I didn't know that story. That was really interesting. Doesn't it seem like we have a tendency as a society to uh, not really treat athletes as if they're people or just not feel sympathy for them in the same way that we feel... Uh, that we would feel for like our friends or our family or, or people that we know right, that's, in our that's life. That's my point. Well, that maybe it needs to be. We can look at it differently and look at them more as people. But this also is their job. Yeah, and in they, reality, that's, and they need to be. Yeah. Maybe they need to be professional. That's their job, and we're not friends with them. Like we don't know them on a personal level. We think we might because of social media and stuff, but we really don't know them on a personal level. And it is their job, and they're out there making millions of dollars to do these do this job, right? I live. I, I work in a high pressure job. You know, like my my job is uh, pouring drinks at a very high volume bar, and uh, I just I, I just have to be on it the entire time I'm working. Like I, I have to work fast. I have to do my job correctly, not make mistakes, and uh, and just keep going for hours. I do twelve hour shifts Fridays and Saturdays. But if nights. I was your friend, I would give you the sympathy. And if you're slower on drinks, if I wasn't your yeah. friend, I wouldn't give you. But, what, but I'm thinking I I am kind of torn up. Like I'm not. I cannot go take a three minute Bobby break in the middle of whenever when things get most stressed out. I can't say. Uh, I I need a little bit of me time to compose myself because uh, I'm going to be screwing over my whole my whole bar staff. Everyone's going to fall behind. It's going to turn into a mess back there. Um, do you go to the bathroom while you work? Do I go to the bathroom while I work? I, I take calculated times to go to the bathroom uh, when I need to. Yeah, usually usually before the rush and then after the rush. All right, we're learning some uh, bartender tips. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll see you guys in a second. Switching gears now on the Raintown Riot, we are going to transition to the NFL and news that came out today that the NFL improperly attempted to influence concussion research. Concuss- concussion research that they paid to have uh, completed. So 
we're going to have um, our very own Matt Raymer answer some questions about concussions. Bobby, do you have well, first, for Matt? First, my, my first uh, inclination that I'd like to ask to Matt is I'm wondering uh, why you did not watch the movie Concussion. All right. So this is all going to be freelance. I don't know any of the questions that Bobby's going to ask me. But I have chosen not to watch Concussion, the movie, because I just feel like it's such a negative thing for football, which it could be all proven facts. And as, a, as an engineer, that's kind of weird to say. But uh, I also just don't want to think about it, which I love football so much that I don't really want to think about the side effects of concussions and CTH and all these influences that go into it yeah so concussions um is there's data showing that uh football players fighters uh are very prone to uh get cte chronic traumatic encephalopathy um it's basically just uh brain problem from from repeated uh from repeated traumas um changing uh proteins in your brain to create plaques that that lead to like mental health problems football's had a lot of problems with uh people ending up with depression dementia at an early age a lot of health problems matt would these types of things concern you if you were thinking about uh your loved ones and playing football would it concern me yes however i feel like there are a lot of things you can concussions doing i mean Soccer is a very common thing. People are seeing concussions in now, and soccer is the number one youth sport in the world. Yeah. And so I feel like you putting people in risk all the time. And fortunate enough for me is I feel like when I'm a dad, I will be enabled because I'll be with my son all the time to teach him the proper technique in tackling, the proper technique in doing things to prevent the injuries. One thing that is really unique is a lot of the – pads and all these now the helmets the technology is increasing so big big that honestly my senior year you'd have some big hits and these helmets are so good that you'll be all right still okay it doesn't happen all the time whoa, whoa, whoa. i feel like i seem to recall you telling me something i hope the answer is what i thought you said back in the day how many times do you think you had an unreported concussion unreported so, okay, so there's different types of concussions. You have the severe concussions where you lose your memory, you're totally done, right? Like that, that one, you're like, your eyeballs. You're sick for days, yeah. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're done. But then there's also people call them mild concussions when you, you see a bunch of stars, you have to like kind of breathe like multiple times, deep breaths to like get your thoughts in order again, right? So, I mean, yeah, you have those in a game and quite how, often. Okay, you... So most people have those. You say like every game? Is that I would say I have them at least every game. Really? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I, I don't view those as like a significant concussion. I could, concussion. I could be totally wrong. I, I view them more as I got dazed. Okay. So during my, during my studies at the University of New Mexico, I took um, some dementia classes and I learned about the uh, physiology of these diseases. And it's caused by, by two things, beta amyloid plaque, which is a, which is a uh, change of a shape of a protein in your brain that then cleaves off part of the protein and starts to cause a plaque that builds up on your brain. And, and this is another for one, dementia? Is that what you're it, saying? It, 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 they're involved in a lot of health disorders. Okay. okay. Um, another one is tau proteins, 
that are inside uh, your neural networks, inside your brain, and they, they start to cause tangles and in, interrupt with activity and uh, the physiology of your brain. And so the data is showing that not only do every time where you got a severe concussion, but every time down to like the hundreds of times that your head is contacted during a football game, even if you came out of a football game without getting your bell run, just the slaps and the pushing and, and the bumps that you're getting in your head is, is showing that all of these down to every time a kid heads a soccer ball or uh, get slapped in the head in a basketball game is increasing his chance of ending up with mental health disorders. It's the sloshing of the brain, right? Yeah. The sloshing of the brain, exactly what you're saying. The constant, quick movement, hard movements on the head that cause your brain to slush. It's all fluid in there. So while the the severe concussions that you're worried about are uh, very serious and do cause cause issues, it also has to do with... um, yeah, just just general sloshing of the brain, like how mu- how many times you're being impacted, how many times you're being contacted. So, I mean, it, it's interesting to think about like where will this take sports for the next uh, for the next generation? Is like the NFL is not going to be able to like withhold studies on this. They're not going to be able to. Uh, it's obviously bad bad news for them if parents start saying like, "No, I don't want my kid to play football." Um, is that is that kind of like why you don't? why you're not interested in learning more about this type of stuff? Honestly, I don't have a, a real big answer to why I'm not really interested. I, science fascinates me, so this is interesting. However, I feel like I never had any super dramatic... I ha, I've had a, a couple concussions, but never any super serious. I know my junior year of football, I saw the worst concussion of my life, and... Uh, we were playing UNLV, and it was on special teams. You know, the NFL is having a lot of things on kickoffs because they're so dangerous. So why they're so dangerous is UNLV had this 260-pound, 270-pound, legitimately this heavy, uh, guy running down in the middle of their kickoff team, and his whole job was to blow it all up. That's his job. So this guy probably ran like a legit 4'5", 40 at 270 pounds. Incredible athlete. Incredible, yeah. and... We watched it on tape all week. This guy was literally just wrecking everybody. And so we put one of our bigger dudes on him. Uh, it was a linebacker. He probably was about 240-ish. He was a big dude. And it was one of the hardest collisions I've ever seen in my life. And as a result, our linebacker had the worst concussion I've ever seen. The guy was married. He didn't know who his wife was. The guy had a kid. Didn't know who his kid was. He couldn't do anything. For the rest of that night. Granted, he was, he was fine. Okay, he, he was fine from what I know after that. His season was over, though. The doctors, different between nowadays, the doctors completely shut him down for the season now. He was done. Yeah. However, it's still scary to see that. It was still scary to see him not know his wife or his son were at the time. Um, but also, as a football player, we, at least as me, like, I'm, in the, I'm hitting that generation now where I knew that there was, it was dangerous. I knew it, but I loved the game. I love. I got my college education paid for for it. I got a lot of things that uh, made my life better, and I'm not gonna sit here back like a lot of these people do and say, "Oh, well, I'm gonna sue the uh, the Division One football or I'm gonna do all these things to bash these things now." But you really, most of the time, know you're at a risk. You're playing football. That's what th- this is. Something that I was about to ask you, and I and I feel like you're hitting on the point really well. It kind of seems to me. Like, uh, similar to the same way I felt about the deflate gate situation with Tom Brady, 
and the Patriots, it kind of seems to me like the NFL is trying to play this like sketchy cover up of this whole thing that we all kind of know to be true, you know? And I feel like eventually you just kind of have to own it. You just have to say, like, you're not going to be able to fight science. Science is going to prevail. It's, it, it, it goes through a process. And once it's, uh, once we see the data, it's pretty easy to understand what's going on. So eventually the NFL is going to have to say, we play a dangerous game. We're going to try to make it as safe as we possibly can, but our athletes, uh, are compensated well. I may, they might have to start compensating them more, but eventually, like these guys are going to continue to take these risks um, to to play the game that they love and and have the type of life that they wouldn't other be, otherwise be able to have with uh, with the type of money that they get to be paid professional football players. So eventually, you just have to kind of be be honest. But I feel like that's not really the approach they're trying to take. They're trying to skew science and try to cheat and try to influence things in the wrong way and I just don't feel like it's going to be fruitful for them so as a as a football player Matt I mean is that is that um are you angered by that are you angered by not knowing the actual facts of what concussions can do or were you turning a blind eye to it kind of like what you said earlier because of the great things football has done for your life. It's kind of both. Honestly, uh, the blind eye is honestly probably just a stubborn feel that I have just because I love the game so much, but I can't help it. It's part of my life. And if they are truly hiding facts about concussion research, that that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Data should never be hidden that way. Um, however, I honestly feel that research has not caught up fast enough because it's such a rapidly growing sport. Technology is rapidly going and concussion research, research, research is research for a reason. It takes a long time for things to happen. And I feel like it's just started coming to light like within the last 20 years. Is that right? Concussion yeah, research. Yeah. And, well, and so I feel like research takes a long time. So it, it's hard to distinguish a lot as, a, as an engineer. You have all the a lot of your data and something, but tests are different and they're very variable. There's a lot of different variables that go into it, and so obviously concussions aren't good for you, right? And you know this, but the facts that go in between CTE, the junior sayout, all these things like this, um, I don't know are 100% proven yet. But just wrap up what Thomas was saying, if they are hiding. This oh, they are. Data, they are. They're, they're very much. We know more about CTE, about about the causes of dementia, depression, than they're letting on, and they're trying to fight the data the same way that big tobacco companies tried to fight lung cancer data and try try to say, well, we don't know these. these we have counter studies. Eventually, science uh, will be accepted. I mean, uh, I mean, they're they're trying to to fund their own studies to try to be like, here's $30 million, we'll, change, we'll, we'll make our own studies that show that it's not as bad and they just got caught doing this. So we're essentially looking at the same thing. I, I agree with you, research didn't catch up in time to like, like Junior Seau's family. We don't know exactly how long the NFL has been like fighting scientific data for, but, uh, and, and your perspective would be different because you're, you're now an adult man, but you're only 26 and you're not going to be playing. Um, My football career is over. Your football career is over. Junior Seau played until he was 10, 12 years older than you. So and let's clarify what happened to Junior Seau real quick, just so our audience will know. 
So Junior Seau is a Hall of Fame linebacker for the Chargers. He is a very polarizing player, very emotional as he played. However, he suffered a lot of concussions in his career. And they were saying because of CTE, the big disease that he committed suicide to devote his brain to research. And so that's kind of why we're bringing in Junior Seau because he's a very polarizing player. He's one of the biggest profile players. That, I mean, there, there's been there's a long list of players that are ex-NFL guys that have had uh, serious issues with dementia, depression, and other mental health disorders. But he's one of the highest profile guys that ended up killing himself. So, um, yeah, so it, it's interesting. I think... Um, I think eventually, I don't think it's the end of football. I do think eventually they're going, like, cigarettes didn't die. Um, I think people are always going to love football. I think if if they continue to go about this unethically, uh, people are going to get a bad taste for them. But, but eventually we're all going to want to, like, get together with our friends on Sunday and, uh, and watch America's Pastime. It's, like, our favorite game, right? Well, football, so the reason why it's a little makes people a little nerve-wracking is... Currently, football is the biggest sport in the United States by far. It's not even close. It's a $9 billion industry. So when you make the cigarette comparison, that makes a lot of sense because money controls everything. Football is a $9 billion industry. However, what scares people is the youth, that people are, parents are not going to let their kids play. So as maybe our generation for the next 20 years will be fine, but as it started to weed out a little bit more as the youth comes in. And Bobby, from your perspective, I think it's really interesting is that I have a question for you because – I tried to get Bobby Lord in high school to play football a lot. I always wanted to. I thought Bobby had the – he's a bigger – Bobby's a bigger guy, athletic as heck. I thought he would have really helped our team. However, his parents did not allow him to play. And so if I asked you, Bobby, would you – if you could go back – I mean, you know that you're, you got your degree and all this stuff. Would you go back and play high school football? You know, looking back on it, I, I, I met some kids recently um, – uh, the, this guy that I knew, he was an 18-year-old kid out of El Dorado High School, and he had a career-ending back injury uh, where he had a, where he had a vertebrae, vertebrae problem. Uh, he's, he's a great athlete. The kid's about like like with 6'2", maybe 35-inch vertical, 185 pounds. Just a great high school athlete, you know? And it's sad to see that he's not going to be able to play, play sports anymore. Knowing what I know now... I try to keep myself pretty safe, you know, and, uh, and, and well, as you're a 26 year old man, you keep as a 26 year old man, I mean, when I, dude, I was fighting with my parents as hard as you were fighting with me to try to, to try to get me out on the football field. I think just naturally, um, I don't want to toot my own horn too much more than I already do, but I was, I was a really good athlete in high school. I was probably one of the bigger, faster, stronger kids at our whole high school. Um, I think I would have been good at the sport and it would have been kind of a natural fit for me. Because uh, I was out playing soccer, my parents wouldn't let me play. My whole job out there was just kind of run kids over, you know. This is like by far the biggest soccer. So kid. you've had a change of heart. This is literally within, I want to say, in the last eight months. Because I've known you for so long, you have always said you wish you to play football. So you, I wish I, I'm I'm torn on it. You know, like I if I could, I think it would have been some of the most fun that I could have had. But looking at how healthy I am right now to not to be able to still do things that I love to do and not have injuries and not be really concerned about that type of stuff, I think it's uh, – I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I could say this. I would be hesitant about 
putting my kid into football. Obviously, high school football is not as bad. Uh, when Jesse was Jesse Paulson, our good friend, played uh, safety for the Oklahoma Sooners and was a professional football player overseas for a couple of years and um, trying to make it to the NFL. To be honest with you, I was rooting against him. I mean, I mean, I, I wanted him to pursue his dream, but I'm happy that he's going to not have health problems in his future because of uh, because of trying to because of trying to make it for, for a career in the NFL that he probably wouldn't have been compensated fairly for. Thomas, do you feel the same way? Would you have played was, high school football? You wish you would have, because I know you chose basketball and other sports. Right. Um, if you're asking me, would this knowledge of CTE deter me from playing high school football? Correct. My answer is no. Can you elaborate? Um, as Bobby said, it sounds like, I mean, it's different, I guess, than playing for many, many years. I mean, also, I mean, the hitting isn't as hard. Um, the level of, I mean, just the level of play isn't, I guess, as high. I mean, would you say these, these minor concussions, is that what you called them earlier? How you referred to yeah, them? Yeah. Would you say you experienced more of those in college or high school? College. Not even close. Yeah. So, I mean, I probably... The difference between high school football is a lot of times if you're not scared, you're the one delivering the blow. You know, in college, everybody's big, everybody's fast, and you're going to get hit. So... It just kind of happens. It's a big change. Of, it's a big change of pace. I mean, when you're talking about this concussion that happened to your friend for the Lobos, we're talking about a 240 pound man running into a 265 pound man at full speed. That type of thing is not going to ha- like. If I was playing in high school, my playing weight would have probably been around like 190, 195, and I would have been like running into kids smaller than me or slower than me most of the time. You know? Yeah, most. I mean, and I- then. And then even if I would have made it to the college level, I would have been probably like a wide, a wide receiver or something, maybe at like 210. It's just not the same type of uh, just not the same type of blows that the NFL is dealing with, where we're talking about the biggest, fastest, most explosive, strongest athletes in the entire world running full speed at each other as hard as they can. It's like there's no doubt it, that it's it's the the change in level you play at increases the risk. There's no. I was a full player, well, 100%. The, the different levels you go to increases the risk. No yeah. Doubt. And so we already have, like, guys retiring early, guys being more concerned about their health and, uh, and like, their future and their family's future. It's just interesting. I think it's, I think it's going to be an issue that the NFL is not just going to be able to sweep under the rug. Eventually, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to embrace it. They're going to have to say, like, maybe not embrace it, but maybe um, – Try to come to terms with it a little bit more. Would you agree with that? I don't know. Eventually, it seems like stuff always ends up catching up. Um, as the NFL, something might leak at some point. But how much is that going to affect? A lot of the best football players come from low-poverty parts of the United States. Right. A lot of these places where they get they play football not to, because of word about concussion or anything. They, they play football to try to get off the street. They try to get, play football to get their mind off of things. Yeah. So it's one thing we can keep talking about the negatives football does for these things, but there's so many positive it does that I think a lot of situations around the country, it's going to outweigh it. Okay, but couldn't – so you being a big 49ers fan, there's a couple 49ers. I can't remember off the top of my head. Chris Borland, Anthony okay, Davis. They, they, what did they do? They retired as very young men. Correct? Chris Borland's the most uh, 
one that I was talking about, high profile one that I was talking about, because he did it after one season. Uh-huh. He had a great rookie season. If he would have uh-huh. played a whole 16 games, he would have won the defensive player of the year. Okay. Rookie the, of the year. Okay, and then the other player... Anthony Davis. How old was he? He played. He was like in his fifth season. He was the right tackle. Okay. And, and, he's, trying, and, they and both... he's trying to come back to the NFL right now. Anthony Davis okay. is trying to come back. Okay. Well, their original, the reasons for the retirement, though, was because of concussion dangers, correct? For both of them, or oh. am, am I wrong? Davis is 100. Was, he came out saying concussion. Borland was concussions, but also other parts of his body. Just injuries in general. Yes. Okay. But concussions okay. were part of both. Okay, yes. so I w- could you s- we, we have talked about all these great things that football can do for people, correct? Correct. Like, do you think we could see more of what happened, even though Davis is coming back, but more of what happened with these NFL players? They're like, I made my money. NFL I did great things for me. I'm, I have my money. I'm going to retire young because... We've already seen it. It's already okay. happening. Okay. It's literally the NFL. Okay. Already, we've okay. had more players retire that are... Players that have retired before the age of 30 that... When I say being able to retire, usually in the NFL, you don't get to choose when you retire. The league will surpass you and you get cut. Mm-hmm. However, for those players that can still play past 30, we've seen way more percentage of those players okay. retire. Calvin because, Johnson just retired. Yeah, Calvin Johnson retired. But it's, it's literally it's a theme that is happening because of uh, their health. I mean, Patrick Walsh retired. He's a nine time, nine years. He made numerous Pro Bowler Pro Bowls, but he said it was because of his feet, though. His was because of concussion. He just okay. said he couldn't walk around on that daily life because of his feet. Okay. Well, thank you, Matt, for your insight. Uh, I feel like we got some pretty in-depth cover on CTE, the NFL, and uh, interesting to see where that goes with the future. We're going to take a small break, and we'll be right back with you. Just to close this segment, I'm a little nervous for both of my co-hosts here, Raymer, because of the uh, minor concussions and dementia and all that, and Bobby, because of the the bladder issues of him trying to hold his... uh, his urine the whole time he's working as a bartender. Dangerous, dangerous lives for both of these two. Take a bathroom break right now. (laughs) (laughs) Riot, 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 riot. All right, here we go, guys. Back with the Rametown Riot. And these are going to be our individual riots, our hot takes of the week. Here we go. So starting off here, the Atlanta Braves. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan, and they are on the up. They've won three in a row, first time all season, but they are still extremely under 500. And um, as they started off 0-9 this season, and I am just so upset with the the player formerly known as B.J. Upton. He now likes to be called Melvin Upton Jr. As he was kind of, I feel like, part of the downfall uh, of this Braves team. Braves signed him to this awful contract. They signed him to, I believe, five years and over $15 million a year. Five years, $17 million. And while he was with the Braves, he was barely hitting over 200. Right now, he's got traded to the Padres, and he's playing great. Batting 266, 19. I mean, 266 isn't great, but right now in the MLB... That's, that's like, above average for a major league average. Like, you can't complain about that. He, he's being productive. They're playing him every day. Um, I've heard rumors that he purposely sabotaged the Braves. 
Yeah, I mean, who would who wouldn't want to rather live in San Diego than Atlanta? I mean, he just had to get out of there, I guess. Purposely but. putting down the Braves, Melvin Upton ruining everything, and Matt. Yeah, I think the Braves are miserable. But we're moving on to a new topic. Oh, is that where we're going? Right yeah, we're oh, back to the next riot. Wow, that was Here's fast. Matt's individual riot. Right, my individual riot was going to talk about the NBA coaching carousel that has happened. There was numerous coaching vacancies, and you had Frank Gavobo just got hired by the Orlando Magic. He was per- previously on the Indiana Pacers. Tom Thibodeau with the Timberwolves. Um, and you had Jeff Hornacek going to the New York Knicks. And there is two, I'll just get right to the two that are still open. The Houston Rockets job and the Memphis Grizzlies job. So I'm going to ask you, Bob, really quick. Which team would you rather coach? Are there any white guys left? In You're, a coaching vacancy. You're a white guy. I Between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets, I think you got to go with the Houston Rockets. It's just a star-studded team, ton of potential. All right, Thomas? I would go to the Rockets, and I have an interesting question real quick for both of you. Is Vogel in a better situation now with the Magic than he was with Indiana? Vogel's in a great situation to succeed at Orlando with all the young talent that they have. Better, better job with Indiana because Paul George is far superior to any player the Magic have. Okay. Interesting. Bobby, there we go. And bam! Bobby's Ramtown Ride. I wanted to give a little bit on Conor McGregor, the most electrifying athlete in sports today. Um, the man has been absolutely killing it. He just had a hilarious interview where he explained to Floyd Mayweather that he will not be taking a salary of $7 million compared to Mayweather's $100 million because Conor is at the top of his game and finishing halfway through a $100 million contract with the UFC while at the same age Mayweather was fighting on undercards for... What's the name of that boxer? Pacquiao? No, it wasn't Pacquiao. De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya. That's right. Um, Big Mayweather... Mayweather, uh, Not Mayweather fan. I'm a a big McGregor fan. I want to see the fight happen. I I hope that he gets an opportunity to... uh, Fight Mayweather and McGregor on this point to add it. McGregor said he's in control, 100%. Mayweather doesn't have any control. That McGregor is running the show, and I think that's kind of funny when Mayweather is the biggest star in boxing in the last decade, and he's 49 and 0. At this moment, everyone in the world wants to fight Conor McGregor. Everyone in the UFC wants to fight Conor McGregor, and the king of boxing, Floyd Mayweather, wants to fight Conor McGregor. He gets to make his decision. On what's on what's going to be in his future, Mayweather's got nobody else left. I agree with McGregor. Mayweather needs him. Those are our hot takes for the day, guys. Thank you for visiting the Raymtown Riot. Continue to check us out on Twitter and follow our uh, riot on Podomatic and iTunes. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.